everybody. Welcome to Utterly Astounded, where eschatology meets current events meets real life. At least my regular real life at home here in Southern California. Today, I am so excited to have on this podcast my dear friend, Anna Sanders, and we have been friends for 22 years now. Can you believe that? Met in 2000. And the way I first met her was a God-inspired, kindred sort of thing. I had come from a smaller church that was a little bit more expressive than the church we currently attend, which is Grace Community, and I watched her worshiping with joy in our fellowship group, and I thought, that's the kind of woman I would like to know and learn from. And so I introduced myself and said exactly that. I think that's what I said. (laughs) You're the type of woman I want to know and learn from. (laughs) And here we are. 22 years later, having lived shoulder to shoulder, I would say like Paul and Timothy in the ministry, but it would be Paulina and Timitha or something. That would be the female (laughs) version, right? (laughs) So Anna and her husband, George, have been at Grace Community Church for 28 years. They have been married for almost 43 years. She has two adult married children and two grandsons, and she is a leader in our church-wide women's ministry, Every Woman's Grace. She is also, we share these things in common, ACBC, Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, Counselor. And we have been blessed to be friends for such a long time. I've gleaned so much from her faithful example. Welcome, welcome Anna, welcome listeners. And we're going to listen first to your testimony, how you grew up, some of those life events that uh, the Lord used and and saved you, how he eventually called you to himself. Well, Lynn, thank you. It's such a privilege to be here. I've, I'm honored and grateful for this opportunity. Um, I grew up in Washington State, Squim, Washington, quietly running waters in the Indian language. <laughs> My um, father inherited the farm that his, that his uh, father-in-law, owned. I grew up um, with wonderful fond memories of my parents. My dad milked the cows morning and evening. We were just on the farm and I was his little helper. Um, Did you go to church? Oh, excuse me. Yeah, the Episcopalian Church every Mm -hmm. Sunday. Okay. Quite religiously. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Good Foundation had a wonderful Sunday school teacher. I loved the stories. I loved hearing about this person, Jesus Christ, who's God the Son, whatever that means when you're six years old, eight years old, 10 years old, um, God loving me. Jesus loves the little children. And that, that just always stuck with me, Len, because mm-hmm. I, don't, I didn't know, know him, but he was in the books. And I just loved going. And I did that all through high school. And so, so it was religious household in that sense, in it was. the way that America yes. would grow up in the church, quote yes. unquote. Yeah. So then you went off to college. I did. Okay. Yeah. Washington mm-hmm. State University. Tell us how you met your husband. Yes. Well, that's another fun story. So at college, I studied dietetics and nutrition. I needed to get a dietetic internship. And that was something that there were certain very high quality ones around the United States. And I wanted to, if I, I I had this idea and this, again, I'm religious, but not born again at this point. I had the idea. I want to be the very best I can be if I'm going to be a dietitian. So I wanted the hardest, best internship I could find. So there was two, there was one here in California 
at Mercy Hospital in San Diego and one on the East Coast that was connected to Harvard Medical School. Um, Destiny and God's will for me was to go. Was Boston. Right. Meet my husband, George. So that's what happened. I was in the hospital, Peter Brent Brigham. I was in and doing learning about feeding people nutrition in the kitchen. And George is a wonderful eater. He's a man (laughs) who can eat for two men, but he's slender and buff. Right. So go figure. But anyway, it was a dietician's dream come true because he would just load up on food. And that's kind of how we met over the food tray. Well, I'm giving him the food that he wants. Over the buffet line. Yeah, Yeah. the buffet line cafeteria. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I moved on to A, Maine, which is where I had a strong urge. Again, um, I wouldn't say providentially at the time, but God was leading me, that I really wanted to, and they, before this time, they were not doing this, and that is giving nutrition counsel to the patients. So there's this team of about 10 or 12 real smart-looking muckety-muck doctors in white coats, all of them, including the interns, with stethoscopes. And I just I just said, today's the day. And I was pretty new on this, on this wing. Nobody really knew this gal, me, Anna Peterson. And so I moved towards this group of men. And as I approached this tight group, they're talking about the patients and everything. They kind of open up like, like that. And there's me and then the 12 of them in a semi, you know, tight circle. And I just say to them, well, excuse me, gentlemen, uh, good morning. I, my name is Anna Peterson, and I am the new dietetic intern. Like I'm something big, but I wasn't. Um, it's nothing, but um, I am the new intern on this floor, and I really would love it if you would consider allowing me the privilege of joining your team and rounding with you and giving nutrition input on the patients that need help in, in gaining um, strength through what they eat. And, and George said, by all means. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he in particular was yeah. interested in this, but believe it or not, they thought it was a good idea. Again, I just was astounded. Of course, I was kind of a... You were a trailblazer. I, I, I guess I was a trailblazer, but my my deepest heart thing is those people need help. Mm-hmm. So you say... You say in a way, because you say it, I have a gift of evangelism, but you know what I really have that God's given me is helps. I want to help people on many different levels. He has made, I don't know, maybe that's mercy too, uh, compassion, Mm -hmm. but I desperately want to be a helper within what he's given me. And so I did. And... I, I love that story because I can picture the whole thing. And because I know George, I can picture that too. And by the way, let me just give a small plug for him. Dr. George Sanders, terrific plastic surgeon, practices in Encino, California. He works wonders. Look him up if you need anything done. Okay, onward. Uh- <laughs> oh, my, Lynn. <laughs> you have risen to the stars and back for that plug. But he, he does do he does wonderful, wonderful work. work. He's careful. He's a loving Christian man. He is. He's A+. He's a power plus, of God. A+. Plus. They have a spa as well upstairs from the office for all the other little things that you may need. But I, I can't speak highly enough about him in his as a 
as a person in his character and as a plastic surgeon. He is top of his field. So again, Dr. George Sanders Encino, look up his website. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you got married. Tagline, George did graduate some of the top of his class at Harvard Medical School. See, there so you go. It's I speak number the one in the world, number actually. One. Mm-hmm. So, but he is part of how I sought the Lord. Yes. Okay. Please tell us about that. Yeah. So, again, um, the world of listeners, George and I were churchgoers and we heard truth. But never a word of, so what does the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that he is God the Son mean to you? Who, who is he? What historically, as historical truth, who is he? What has he done? And explore that deep and wide. Well, I just had the bare facts and the bare minimum. And so did George. He went to the Church of Christ in Texas all his life. George and I <clears throat> were two religious folk that started to realize that we had sort of our own agendas. Like George wanted to be the premier plastic surgeon. And to this day, he works 12-hour days. He leaves the house at 5.30 in the morning. He comes back between 5.30 and 6 at night. So that was an interesting adjustment for me because I thought I was the apple of his eye. Oh, my. Well, (laughs) I guess I was when he was home. But for a long time, he was the apple sort of, of his own eye, unbeknownst to me. And I was the apple of my own eye. Because what do you do if you're not born again and converted? You love self. Self, the the heart of self and self-motivation and selfishness rules. You never say the word, but that we want what we want. We want what we want. And, you know, what I wanted is more of his time, companionship, the fun that he had promised and blah, blah, blah. So we we kind of, I kind of rocked the boat a little bit. You know, do you have to work that hard? And you know what? His, his ethic was very strong and really good. And he wanted to do the very best for his patients. And he wanted to make a living for us and our children. So I needed to respect that. God himself commands us and says, we are to love him with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind and love our neighbor as ourself. Well, if you're a married woman, your husband is your closest neighbor. So I need I needed to love him unconditionally in every way. And I think I was failing at that. George's conversion comes after mine. So he got a hold of my heart first. How did Christ actually save me? Because at this time, you're still thinking, I'm going to church, I'm dutiful, I'm learning some things, and I'm I'm maybe respecting God, I'm kind of understanding, but what happens in the true conversion of a heart being flipped and born again? Right? Yeah. Taking in the idea that conversion and submission and love of God is all personal. It's, it's coming to the realization that if I was the only person on this planet Earth, that Christ would have still left the Father and he would have come to Earth just to save me from my wretched sinfulness. The rubber meets the road when I realized that the wages of sin is death, and that means spiritual death, and that means 
I'm, I'm not on the way. Even just being a good girl, I'm not on the way to heaven. Because you thought as a good person yes. that that would be enough to get you into heaven. Right. It, but it was a wrong assessment because I didn't have the holiness factor. God himself, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are holy. Thrice holy. Holy, holy, holy. And Anna is not holy. And I cannot be holy unless I am a sinner seeking the righteousness that Christ had when he walked the earth as a perfect 100% God and 100% man, the God-man sent by the Father. That's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him will not perish, a.k.a. go to hell, but will have everlasting life. And that was music to my heart and soul. But not apart from confession. 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You have to know that the wages of any sin, even one sin, is death. And so I did. But that, you have to come under that conviction and honestly, another C word, the crushing. It crushed me. I was crushed to realize his love was so great, infinitely great, that personally he would come just to save me. Before I put myself in a corporate box, well, of course, he's going to come for the multitudes. But no, he would come. It's personal, deeply personal, just for me. And that realization came about by his spirit, and I just wept tears streaming down my face because I knew I was entirely disqualified without Christ as my Savior and Christ as my righteous robe, his walk of righteousness. My walk wasn't righteous and perfect. Even if I just sinned in my heart and my mind and didn't open my mouth, which we all do, which we all do, and he's omniscient. And that's that omniscience, his omnipresence, his omnipotence, his power. And then um, learning all those things just humbled me more and more and more. Right. It's beautiful. Well, let's get to the evangelism piece. That was all so wonderful. And we're going to concentrate on a couple of questions, beginning with why we evangelize. Just as a broad topic, why do we even evangelize? Right. Uh, number one reason is from Scripture is God commands this message to all his believing children from Holy Scripture. And in my mild street lingo, I would say, if you are saved by the gospel, you also proclaim it. You proclaim the gospel that saved you. Why? Because without being saved, I would be paying for my own sins, every last one, in an outer place of complete darkness that the scripture the Bible calls hell. But here is truth for us dear women of God to obey, to embrace the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And I want to back up just a little bit. I did some thinking and praying through this, and I want to give you what I call the empty tomb context, which is provided in verses 1 through 10. It's really a beautiful portion of scripture to read about Christ's providential care for two women. 
he sent an angel to roll away the stone, the, the thing that blocked his tomb, the big stone, and gave these girls the blessings of telling the disciples, all the men, of Christ's appearance. He's alive and that Jesus would see them soon in Galilee. In Galilee. So first, as scripture records, it's Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, the mother of the apostle called James the Less. Okay, James the Less. And these devoted women hustled over early on Sunday to look at the grave where Jesus was buried and were surprised by a couple of things. One, this angel of the Lord, not the, but an angel of the Lord had rolled away the tombstone and was sitting there propped up on top of it, had a bird's eye view. This angel's appearance was like lightning. He rightly greeted the two Marys saying, don't be afraid, which happened to reveal the empty tomb. He said, and I, I just said, a resurrection miracle is proof Jesus is God. The woman, the angel said to the woman in verses 5 and 6 of this text, Matthew 28, um, Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying, verse 7. The angel says, go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you shall see him and behold, I have told you. That's the angel speaking. Verse 8, these dear women leave the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report this news to Christ's disciples a.k.a. the men. Verses 9 and 10, And guessed what? Jesus met them and greeted them, greeted them before they went. They came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And I have here in my notes, that would be you and me, Lynn. <laughs> Brings tears to my eyes just to think of the privilege. Yes. Then Jesus said to them again, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren, his disciples, to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. On to verse 16 and 17, you can look this up in the Bible yourselves, says, The eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful. So having set the context here, that's critically important. The Great Commission here in its full, verses 18 to 20, is as follows. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, okay, on the mountain with all the disciples, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always even to the end of the age. Now, all authority means the time of Christ's crucifixion, humiliation, naked, dying, bleeding on the cross for sinners like you and I, Lynn, was over. His humiliation was over and his resurrection was clear proof of his absolute sovereign authority. And his lordship overall as Christ accomplished 
the salvation of all sinners who truly believe the truth of the gospel by faith in God the Son, his holy person, that is Christ, God-man, 100% God, 100% man, and all his righteous works while on earth. We call him God incarnate. God came from eternal, but a position of eternal unity with the Father and the Holy Spirit to come and save a wretch like me and all who would believe. Wow. It just humbles me beyond words. And that is a proper place for me to be, face down, just like these women, at his feet. So that's number one, is God commands this message to all believing. Two, love for God and Christ. Jesus himself says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Another, Put another way, you will obey my commandments. I, w- I do want to say a little bit about John 15, 7 through 11 and the verse 14, because it expands the love of God in Christ a bit more. And so I'm going to quote from John 15, that text. This declares the relationship of true believers to Jesus Christ. He says now, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Okay, he says, so prove to be my disciples. Just as the father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. He's speaking to us, Lynn, believers. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Wow. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Verse 14 adds, You are my friends if you do what I command you. So, there you go. I really liked the John MacArthur commentary on this part on John 15. Pastor John says, True believers obey the Lord's commands, submitting to his word in John 14, 21 and verse 23, because they are committed to God's word. They are devoted to his will. Thus, their prayers are fruitful, and God answers them, which puts God's glory on display as he answers them. The bottom, bottom line is love obeys Jesus. Love obeys him. But I will also add, in addition to committed to God's word, that's how we grow in the grace and knowledge, is the undeniable and the infinitely remarkable expansive, huge, massive love of Christ for sinners because God is so completely, beautifully merciful. He had pity on me. I could not save myself. No way, no how, never. And even as a believer, when I don't um, obey Jesus, the flip side of that, okay, the flip side is that I'm hating him. That's, That's horrid. That is not one, I want to show the Lord of glory who saved me. So part of the evangelism piece, why we evangelize, it's commanded. It, it is love for God and Christ that we do it. And it's also love for the lost. Mm-hmm. One mm-hmm. of the things that you are so faithful to do is to, to evangelize, but then also be ready, be prepared, be intentional. 
Mm-hmm. And so you've taught me to carry tracks in my purse. Mm-hmm. And I would love if you would kind of present that and go through the track, which is the gospel in in a summarized sort of short form that you can hand to somebody if you don't know what a, a track is. I'm just, yes. just explaining that. But when you meet someone mm-hmm. and you begin to be able to talk to them about the Lord... Right. you would have a track on you and just kind of, if you would share that. It asks the question, basically, are you experiencing, in the verb form, experiencing God's grace? All right? For by grace we have been saved through faith. So it's talking about that. And I love this. It is um, opens up with G, and this word grace is an acronym. And I'm going to walk through that uh, just with the highlights. And uh, we can pick up that thread another time, maybe a little more, but G stands for God. So I want to begin with God and quote Genesis 1.1. God is in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1. And the whole universe and everything that is in this world and the cosmos, the stars, um, is the work of God. So God as creator created every human being, I'm going to quote that, with a soul. We are created in the image of God. And so he made mankind both male and female. And that's it. Um, The attribute that is the big cutaway in this G stands for God is that God is holy. God is a God of holiness. And I said that to you, holy, 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 thrice holy. And we are made in the image of God, but that doesn't make us holy. However, we were doing pretty good in two chapters of the entire Bible, Genesis 1 and 2, and then we go on to the second part of G in the grace portion is God. R, G-R, in the grace acronym stands for rebellion. And rebellion is what happened in Genesis 3. And don't you know it? It was the first feminist. She ran ahead of Adam. Good old Eve. Good old Eve. Soon after God created Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, they willfully chose to rebel against God. There was only one commandment, and that is don't eat the fruit of this tree. Just one. Just one. And could they obey that? No. No, they couldn't. So that is, they disobeyed, and that is the result of sin. They rebelled against their creator. And that nature, that sinful nature to rebel, is what permeates every one of the human beings after that. Not just some people in some tribes. No, no, no. It is universal. It's universal. And um, his command for us, however, in Leviticus 19.2 says, God says, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. And he does not, God does not judge us based on how we compare to other fellow human beings, but on how we compare to him. Hear it well. It's not how good I am compared to you, Lynn. It's am I good at all compared to God? Answer, no. All right, there's more to that, but I'm going to skip on to the atonement, which I it's so glorious to me that I jumped ahead. But 
G is for God, R is for rebellion, A stands for atonement. And that means to repair a broken relationship. So the R part with rebellion, that's a broken relationship. It's broken for everyone. God, because of his great love for his creation, sent his son Jesus into the world so that sinners might be reconciled to him. The broken relationship can be repaired, but not through good works. It is through faith and trust and repentance in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is one I like, Romans 5, 8. Having been justified by faith, that means made right, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have the peace of God in our souls because of that right relationship, that repaired broken heart. Okay, wonderful. What is the C? Yeah, so that leads us to C, which stands for conversion. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. And he goes on, and he teaches, though, in this part of conversion, is it's a humbling. A proud person is not going to be in heaven. It is all about Christ and his great grace and mercy for us. In conversion, it is an act of me being broken, as the Beatitude says, blessed are the poor in spirit and those that mourn over their sinfulness, being disqualified, no way, no how, going to heaven, except through the blood of Christ on the cross and his resurrection. So Jesus says, John 14, 6, it sums it up. Jesus Christ, God the Son, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. Not any other way. No prayers to Mary. No prayers to any other false, idolatrous God, man, or woman. None. Zero. Only Jesus. Only Jesus Christ. But the last one in this GRACE acronym is E stands for eternal life. And that is the huge, wonderful blessing that Jesus brings new, new life to all who place their faith in him. To all who confess and repent. And Jesus says in John 5.24, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death spiritual death, into new spiritual life. Amen and amen. And that is the good news. And so just the way Anna even presented this is right. That's the that's the track, experiencing God's grace. And if you can get that, sort of pour over that, memorize that, understand it and know it for yourself, the, the acronym is beautiful because we have God, rebellion, atonement, conversion, and eternal life. Now you can remember that (laughs) and you can think about that when you are witnessing. And this is from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you want to order this particular track, it is wonderful. And so you might not have time, blessed time, to say all of that, but you always have maybe a few minutes if you can get someone to listen to you for just a couple of minutes and you can speak to them about this. And one of the reasons I just want people to know that 
you're able to say these things so quickly and with uh, such fullness, I may say, is because I know Anna, I know her well, that she has poured over that so very many times. So it's part of her soul. It's part of her being so that when she talks to someone, it just organically comes out because she's saturated in God's word and in knowing the gospel. The gospel is just bottomless. It's so beautiful yeah, it's and precious. so pro- profound. And we, yeah. we really can't even learn a little tiny bit of it in our whole lifetime. It's so rich and so wonderful. Right. But we can be faithful. Be an inviter. Be a joyful. And like you heard me say at the end, and there's so much more. Every every time you give a word of life, be it 15 seconds you have, or maybe most of the evangelism I do are, say, for example, with... Um, at the store, there's a, a young man that helps bag, or used to before COVID, mm-hmm. um, bag, and I would invite them to help me out to the car. I can do it myself, ladies. Trust me, I'm a farm girl. I used to rake hay for putting up <laughs> hay for my horses and the cows, so I can do that, but I am taking that 30-second opportunity for him to get me to the car to embrace an opportunity for the gospel and invite that young person to the college group to this and that but give them a track ask him and we will talk about this i think another time lynn about how do you engage in the conversation but little segues i do are you a man of faith if it's a man that's one of that's one of my favorites is the, you, right. The just the segues. openers. And yeah. I like that. I mean, you you use that opportunity when somebody says, can I help you out? I didn't even think of that. That's great. Yeah, sure, you can help me out because that's going to give me an opportunity yes, to speak to an this easy person. one. It's an, yeah, and, it's an easy one. I don't have five minutes. I can't take right. that much time, but I right. do often get about three. Right. So we can have a nice exchange. I can kind of say, look, you know, there are young people. I, I can like... Jesus does with the woman at the well. He talks and uses water as an illustration. He's getting water. He said, if you knew who I am, you'd know that I'm living water. Water. So, yes, we are to uh, have a a, a tagline of uh, being personal. Being personal. Get engaging. Engage them. And to remember that they they desperately need this this message. And that's why you're... Taking the time to engage them. There are so many lost people, the majority, uh, hopeless, so many, so many hopeless souls. And that's, that's part of it. And, and it's providential. Yeah, it's providential. And that's what I think you say that you say that many times. And I love that is when you do get a chance to talk to someone and they've even said that before, you say, you know what? This is a providential divine appointment. Amen. And you That's elevate the, truth. the situation that you're in and you give them and you exalt a transcendent Christ. thought to look yes. up and say, I'm just not getting my groceries here. Right. God sent me. Are you a person of faith? And I always love that one because it's such a wonderful segue to ask someone that question because yeah, male that or always female. leads into uh, either they'll say, get them thinking. Either they'll say, oh, yeah, you know, I grew up in the Mormon church or mm-hmm. my grandmother was religious and she used to pray for me. Or, you know, I've I've been to church a couple of times, but I'm just not really getting anything out of it. Most people, mm-hmm. that spark will go off and they will say something about it. And there's your segue. And mm-hmm. you're, you know, so good at that to just say, please listen. 
there is something yes. so wonderful that I need to speak to you about. Yes, hell is real too. And we do need them to be convicted of their sin. Yeah. <laughs> that That is a big part of it. But the Spirit will do that That's if we faithfully job. present the gospel. And I just want to say one thing about talking to men. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something about what I've seen you do. And I think this is so prevalent for today. We, we talked a little bit about God is, is not partial, Romans 2.11. Mm-hmm. There is no partiality with no. God, meaning that we witness on the highways and the byways to the gardener, to the maid, to the, to the neurosurgeon, to the checker at bonds. That's right. We do all of that. We joy. It's, it's crucial to evangelism. And that's that uh, compulsion that drove Paul. And so one of the things that you do when you're speaking to a man, and I love this, Hmm. I love this, is that you talk to them and you appeal to them and say things like, you know, sir, are you married? Because men today are maligned, disregarded, being made fun of, cast into subservient roles, feminized the whole bit and and when you say you know are you married or even do you have a a girlfriend that you care about what have you let me tell you sir (laughs) that god made men uniquely gifted for the role that you are Mm -hmm. and you need to yes Mm -hmm. believe and receive this not only for yourself you need Mm -hmm. to embrace it you need to share it with your wife Mm -hmm. and your kids Mm -hmm. because god will hold you accountable Mm -hmm. for the spiritual as the spiritual leader of your home Mm -hmm. you don't even maybe know that now (laughs) Mm -hmm. but you need to know it right because it is a fact it's a fact and you give them their their Mm -hmm. due you elevate them and that language is very important. It is. And you know, when you talk to them like that, a little light goes on in their eyes. Mm-hmm. Because it does. Because it's true. Yes. That's what God, that's the design that he made you this way. And you're going to be responsible and mm-hmm. soberingly held accountable. Absolutely. leading your family. This is truth. And you will be held accountable to this because the, the lie of evolution is just that. It's a lie that you just evolved and that you're just one step higher than a monkey. Than a monkey, and that is not exalting. That is, not, we are made in the image of God, a very God who spoke five words in Genesis one sixteen seventeen, and He made the stars, and He made the stars, and He made all the planets, all the stars. All what kind of immense, massive power is that? And I love that. It's humbling. It's beautiful. It is. And it's and I, true. And I love that you always start off that way. And that I just, again, want to want you to think about that if you're listening. Give the person that you're talking to a high and holy, lifted up, transcendent view of God. Yes. The heavens declare the his glory. glory. Psalm 19. The firmament shows his handiwork. handiwork. First opener in for man or woman is, are you a person of faith? So are you a man of faith? Are you a woman of faith? Right. But then to segue into the next part, which is important, I ask them, well, um, how do you see yourself compared to holy God? Um, so they it opens up, I don't want to give them the words, like, do you think you're a good person? But, but they will eventually but, say that. But this is what I want to say. <laughs> right. I want to le- I'm leading them to admit that they aren't so they say they're good and you know and I'll get this a lot with Catholics that they'll say they're a good person and they go to mass and blah 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 um, doing that work to be good 
And I say, okay, well, God is perfectly holy and perfectly perfect. So how are you, who's just good, going to go from good to perfect? How, how does that work? And they have no words to tell me. Zero. Zip. Nada. Never gotten one. And I said, well, that's a problem because no one, as we already quoted John fourteen 6, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one goes to the Father except through me. He's the key. So the good person was the way I used to be, and then God changed me. Though I have empathy for those people, there is no uh, heaven-bound trip for anyone unless you embrace the atonement and the resurrection. So he died, and he rose again on the third day, the empty tomb portion of scripture. John 15 is beautiful. And why am I bringing that up? Because if I have these guys at my house, I do a trick. I'm a little tricky, but it is in kindness They'll find out later. I do not pay my workers uh, when I write them a check until I'm done talking to them. So they're they're okay with that. Um, I just, you know, they don't really know my strategy, but I'm saying it to you. So inside, we come inside our house, right immediately to the left, I have two big posters that describe the theology. And I want to get that point in, knowing... Um, the theology or the attributes of God and equipping myself, knowing what they are, is in, has so much more um, increased my knowledge and knowledge inflames love and submission and just humbleness. God is great, 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 infinitely great, and I am small. And so knowing the knowledge of God, as um, Arthur Pink would say, his foreknowledge, Ephesians 1.4, he chose us before the foundation of the world. Um, the sovereignty of God, his immutability means he doesn't ever change. His holiness, his power, his great omnipotence is his power. Again, speaks five words and makes galaxies. If that doesn't humble you, and then we go on. His faithfulness, his goodness, his patience, his grace, his mercy, his love, and his wrath. Right. All right. So somewhere in there, it should strike a chord. Somewhere it, in yeah. there, in all of book, it should, but it should. The Attributes of God right. by Arthur Pink is a great way to study the greatness and expand your horizons. But back to this point about sinning. The wages of sin is, is death. death. That means that person is having love for the lost, is that they're on a fast track, a bullet train to outer darkness, away from God, to the Bible describes it as hell, and there's no need for that. If they embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, they can be rescued from that. The next session, we're going to talk about more segues, more practical ways to do this. We are going to talk about going everybody from fear. Everybody can do this. Everybody can do this mm-hmm. that's saved. We're, to, we're going to talk about going from fear to fear, fear of man to fearing God enough that we will proclaim his truth, especially in these dark days. But I want to end this section with Anna uh, talking about ways that she has witnessed to many, many doctors. Being a doctor's wife, yes, that does give her some, um, I don't know what you would say, a little bit of chutzpah and and access, if you if you will, to that realm. However, even if she wasn't married to a doctor, I know she'd do the same thing. But please give us this, this wonderful idea that you had. I have adopted it, and it is mm. just a, a joy to do this. Mm-hmm. So how how do you how do you let's say you get a new yes. doctor appointment yes. and what do you what do you do? 
so two, that you can two things. First of all, I view it as it's not just about me needing um, um, a yearly annual review of you know my blood and blah blah blah. But and let me just say that we're saying this because many people are afraid. Yes, to they're um, intimidated by those people who might who might be you know think, so high and, so high and oh well they're a doctor and they know all this and they're telling mm-hmm. me all the scientific stuff about myself and I can't. You know, I break can't in. talk to them and right. break in about this particular thing because, et cetera. So we're going to dispel that with right. what Anna's going to tell us. So to I'll do. backtrack a, one step and say I have I can remember saying this to you, but I've also said it in some of the messages at AWG that all men put on pants one leg at a time. It they are human, sinful um, people that. But I'll tell you what these doctors. Are very good. They help people all day long. They're always they're in a line of business where they're helping you. They're telling you what's in your blood, if you need to do this or that to to prolong life, blah blah blah. But cutting through to the chase is God's perspective is He is not partial. So whether they're a graduate of Harvard Medical School or not, they need to be on our radar so we aren't failing God in being disobedient and partial, like, oh, I'm so scared of the doctor, you know, um, I just can't possibly bring up the fact that there's a way to heaven. Oh, yes, you can, and this is how you do it. So what I do is I learned that I only get so many minutes with a doctor. I will speak truth straight across the table when they're telling me I grab a moment here and there, but it's a little bit more difficult. So write your thoughts in a thank you card. So you know your doctor, and if it's your GP, your general practitioner, you're going once a year or whatever, your dentist, your, uh, for me, I, I, for a time was going to see a cardiologist. So there's just various people and the idea of the thank you card, is, first and foremost, is that you're thanking them for their service yes. and their care of you. So yes. that's where you start. And so I write a note to the doctor telling them thank you for how they help me and direct me and what have you. And here here I am. I want to give them a word of life. And I will just say that in my writing. And I, I um, there's various ways you can do that. But writing a thank you note is writing a thank you note and weaving in the gospel to it because you say this is a word of spiritual life. I've also included with I have a, a female, a couple female doctors, and but I've included in the thank you note uh, language like Jesus Christ is the great physician. Yes, you're a physician. Jesus Christ is the great physician. Jehovah yes. uh, Jehovah Rapa, I think, is healer. He is the great healer, and by gum. You know, they're doctors and such, but they have never raised anybody from the dead. <laughs> no, they so, haven't. But just to tack Nor, it back will they to, ever. no, were they ever, tack it back to yes. something that they can, yes, way, to that relate, they can, yes, that they can hold on to, yes. that, threading that through. Mm-hmm. So pre, please proceed. Yes. Yeah. Well, just a tagline, um, at Grace Community Church in the bookstore, there is something called 50 Names of Jesus. And I get them every year for my new Every Woman's Grace group because it expands, again, not only this book on the attributes of God, but just his names alone. And one of them is the the uh, great physician, the mm-hmm. healer, mm-hmm. and where it is 
I didn't bring that piece with me. Maybe I'll bring it next time. But those things train us and our man, our minds to be greater and better worshipers. Do you hear that? Greater. It's training us first. It's training us first. got to wash over you and, first. Yes. And then what you build up in your heart and soul. And it's, and I review it over and over again because we're like a sieve sometimes. You know what a sieve is? It comes in and sometimes it leaks out. I do grab some of it that I've memorized, but I am constantly, it's ongoing for me and I love it. We need to love the Lord, but love the truth and love the lost. You obey him. And he says to walk forth in God confidence, not my own, but in confidence the Holy Spirit will give you the words, will calm your heart, will help you write that thank you note and give it the best you've got. God is in the business of flipping the heart and the mind. Next time we're going to review the books that Anna has reviewed many, many times in order to help her to become a more faithful evangelist. We're going to review all of that. We're going to do more segues and we're going to talk about next time how to go, like I said, from fear to fear, put off fear of man, put off unbelief and to believe God for Mm -hmm. who he is and how he is going to help us be better ambassadors and Mm -hmm. the world that he wants to save. Again, the days are dark. Mm -hmm. Time is of the essence. We got to get about the Father's business if we haven't already. And there's treasure in heaven. Amen. Can you imagine? Remember, ladies, as you are faithful and obedient, he is taking every note of, of you stepping forward in faith to do this thing that he's asking of us and with him all things are possible thank you and you do encourage me with that because let's say that you know something kind of goes sideways or or you only got a line or two out of your mouth before (laughs) something happened yeah you will remind me often and i'm really grateful for that you will say that's treasure in heaven so regardless of what you see here on earth god omniscient god who is keeping track of he's going to use it. every single thing he's going to use it. And he will reward you for your obedience in right. trying to honor him. Yes. And we're going to learn more from her next mm. time on how to do that very practically. Privilege. And we're going to be encouraged. Her boldness has always encouraged me and she has helped me so much. And again, if this is especially your heart and you want to get better, I hope you enjoyed this part. I want you to tune in next time and we are going to go further with this. Anna, it's been a privilege. It's been a blast as always. I thank you so much for coming on. Do you have any last words? <laughs> last last uh, words last, for, this, last words? for this moment, but, but yes, anything I do. you would just like to encourage our listeners. Yes, most importantly, to God be all the glory. Ladies, I have no power in and of me, but by God and with his great pity for me and his helps for me and his filling my soul with an understanding that I was that person. I was the righteous lost as the day is long on on a bullet train to hell. On the broad road. On to the broad road to destruction in Matthew 7. Right. And the way is narrow. It is a narrow road, a, a, a prescribed road. And so God and God alone deserves um, all the credit. Mm-hmm. Come on back for those stories. Right. They're real. Right. And you'll have your own stories too. Right, exactly. To God be all the to glory. To God be the glory. Yeah. Thank you so much. What a joy. Mm-hmm.